presence, worshiping, reminisce over his goodness, his love and his kindness, his mercy which endureth forever. Father, we worship you tonight. Stand in your presence in honor and thanksgiving. Because thou art God. Hallelujah. Beside you there is no other. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We'll be reading from the 24th chapter of St. Matthew. While I think of it, there is a board meeting immediately after service tonight, so we'll try to cut this a little short so we won't keep all the board members from getting about their sleep. Board meeting tonight, immediately after service, St. Matthew, the 24th chapter, and the 24th verse. Let's try the 22nd verse. It's hard to extract from there anything without reading the whole chapter, but in order to get to what I want to get to tonight, we'll begin at the 22nd verse. simply says, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall shew great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in appreciation for your love. For who you are, for what you are. For your consideration for us, just mere human flesh. We thank you for all the past favors. Now, Father, we stand before you tonight, realizing your word is a reality. We pray, Father, that we would not mishandle it. We pray that we would use it wisely. We pray, Father, that we would just be under the inspiration of your spirit with words that we speak. Father, also give ears to the congregation to hear, eyes that might be open tonight, hearts, O God, that might reach out and touch the divinity of you, the living Father. We thank you tonight and give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, and you may be seated. Tonight, most likely, we're going to enter into something that's going to take two or three nights, so I think it's important, and rather than to stretch it out in one time, perhaps cause you to be weary, we'll try to just maybe make it as brief as possible. But we're talking about, before we get into the questions, we're going to ask the rise of false religions, man-made religions, and false cults. But what we really want to be dealing with after we get past that is heaven. What is heaven? Where is heaven? And when is heaven? Now, I'm not sure we're going to have the answers that you're looking for tonight, and maybe not have the answers you want, 
But I think we do have something that's pertinent to our day. If you will notice, there is quite a turn to man-made religions. Humanism is making quite some strides under the guise of religion. We have individuals that are separating themselves and going off and exiling themselves and forming cults everywhere. And there's quite a staggering rise in Eastern cults. Meditation and all of these things that's rising up and uh, just simply flourishing. And so we have to ask ourselves in the midst of this, with God giving us the message of salvation, of reality and truth, we have to ask ourselves what is or if there is something missing in our Christian society that causes these cults and man-made religions to rise up and seemingly flourish while Christianity seems to be going downhill. Granted, God said he would have a church. He said that. I'm holding fast to that. But there must be some reason why these individual cults are on the rise. And part of that, I feel like tonight, is the failure of our churches and perhaps our religious leaders to search out what is the full consummation of God's divine plan. Simplifying that, in other words, where are we going? What is our final end? In other words, exactly what has God offered us when it comes to the final climax and fulfillment of his plan for humanity? Just exactly what is it? Now, in Acts 1.11 simply says, This same Jesus, which is taken up from you unto heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go unto heaven. That is an unconditional promise. And so from apostolic times, Christ's church has looked for her Lord, and we still look for him. Amen? Amen? Yes. Generations come and go, and sometimes there's great expectations. People preach that the coming of the Lord is very near, and then when he doesn't seem to come, at the end of that generation, there is... Uh, failure of falling away. People get weary and they get tired looking and they wonder if the Lord actually is going to come. And then another generation comes and still the promise of God stands intact and stands sure. Now the church no doubt has directed her gaze upon the here and now. Happy and shouting over the new birth. Glad that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleansed us from all sin and iniquity. Glad for the revelation of baptism in his name to be able to take on the family name and the regenerating power of God that causes us to be born anew with a new birth. And in it we have joy and we have peace. And God gives us this in the midst of a troubled world. And this is good. And I like it. I wouldn't downplay that whatsoever. Be glad for it. But I'm saying this, if our gospel ends there, then something is missing. And you're going to have to agree with me. For the most part in our churches, whatever denomination there is, our gospel seems to end right there. The Baptist church preaches repentance. Nazarene and some of the full gospel churches preaches holiness in different ways. 
individual Pentecostal churches presents a gospel with the infilling of the power of the Holy Ghost. And they say, with this comes peace and joy, and God allows us to live in the midst of this troubled world with his peace. And for the most part, this is what we present to the world as a gospel. Now, something is missing that we need to get a hold of tonight. That something, for the most part, is what causes the formation of these cults. Let me point one out to you that's been gone for quite some time, but it was started by a man called Jim Jones. Other false man-made religions and cults, but this one stood, up, stood out because of the massacre that happened. Now, in reading after Jim Jones, I was astonished. I'm not sure that you're aware of it. If you are, fine. But I was astonished when I read that most of those individuals that followed after that cult had actually at one time been filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. They had actually experienced remission of sins. They had actually felt the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanse them from all sin and iniquity. They had actually been baptized, possibly not our way or the way we minister it, but they had received the infilling of the Holy Ghost and had spoken in another tongue. They had received the gospel as it is presented to the world today, and yet there was something missing in the lives of these individuals. There was something planted within mankind that was not satisfied with what they had heard. And, of course, they perceived to try to find that in the wrong way and tried to create with their own hands that thing which God promised us, and you can never do that. Now, the missing ingredient, not often, if at all talked about, is God's plan for a complete and all eradication of sin. Not only from the believer's heart, but from this world and this universe. Something that stirs in my heart. I feel I have forgiveness of sins. I feel the divinity of God moving within my heart. And I love the promises of God, and I like the peace. I like the comfort that I receive from him in the midst of troubled times. But when I step out into this world, I see the beauty of God's creation. As I watch the tree leaves turn, friend, and a masterpiece by a master couldn't create anything better than watching the leaves turn in different colors and see all the beauty that God has created on this earth, and see also where sin has come and erased some of the beauties, and marks it as something inside of me that is not satisfied with just feeling myself cleansed of all sin and iniquity. I want God's world set free too. Amen. Amen. I want to get a hold of that which says, God, are you going to leave it like this? And it's not hard for us to get our eyes in the sky and see pie in the sky. Because almost everything you hear about is heaven. And of course, when we talk about heaven, we think about the atmosphere up there, someplace up there. But God intends, and you need to read your Bible because it's in there, God intends for Eden to be completely restored. 
He planted a garden in Eden. He placed it there. And he intends that so that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of the things in heaven and in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of Almighty God. He intends to bring this world to its knees. They're going to confess the Savior. Whether they do it in time or not is something else, but God intends for all of his creation to worship him. That's found in Philippians 2, 10, and 11. Now, if you'll notice tonight, we have for years heard how Jesus will come and take his people to heaven. How many of you agree that's the message? We've heard where Jesus is going to come and he's going to take us out of all this mess and all the fantasies that humanity can imagine in his eyes and he's going to leave this world down here to the powers of hell and let it be completely destroyed. And we're going to live up there somewhere in a never-never land. I don't want to cross theology tonight. I don't want to abuse anybody's belief. But I would like to ask you to search carefully the divine word of God. I would like to ask you to take it down and take a new look because there is what is causing the rise of false cults. Heaven, for the most part, has never been clarified. Humanity don't know what heaven is. Humanity don't know where heaven is. And humanity don't know when heaven is going to come. Man has been made in the image of God. And because of that, he cries out for more than a ghostly appearance. He cries out to be more than a spirit without a body. He cries out for more than having wings where he can flutter around. He cries out for more than just floating around. He cries out for more than just walking on the streets of gold or traveling through a many-roomed mansion. I stop here long enough to say this, saints. Gold in this world doesn't turn me on. And I'm sure it doesn't turn any child of God on because we have long since given these things over and said, that's fine if you want it, but I want something far greater than that. So why? Would I get all excited when somebody says, I'm going to walk on streets of gold? Really doesn't mean that much to me. What really, really seals it for me, friend, is not streets of gold. It's not a ghostly appearance but the fact that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is going to be there. And he's going to take care of his creation and all that he has created, not just humanity alone. I can't, for some reason or other, I can't succumb to the fact that God created with all his magnificent power, with all the glory he had some thousands of years ago and spoke the world into existence and made it beautiful and made it for man, I can't succumb to the fact that he's not going to still use it for humanity. Right. I think the full consummation of God's plan is not going to find his people up there someplace. Whether we have wings and whether we have a ghostly appearance of some type. 
and where we walk through many mansions, many room mansions. Friend, I'd get tired of walking through a mansion. Amen. I would. And I think it goes farther than that. Heaven, friend, is when God Almighty has done what He's going to do and burned sin from this face of this earth and created a righteous, holy place for His people to live without sin. Hallelujah. I said without sin. I want you to just imagine as you step out tonight, if there's any stars there, and if there's not, look at the clouds. And sometime look out at the beauty of the heavens. And then walk down the streets sometimes or out in the woods and survey the beauty of this earth. And then imagine what it would be like when the curse is taken from it. When there's no more thorns and no more thistles. And when humanity would be living here eternally. No tears. Hallelujah. No death. No sorrow. Nothing whatsoever in earth created just for his people. Imagine, friend, something greater than that I can't. And that's what I'm living for. That's what I'm looking for. But the Bible speaks with emphasis. And it speaks with clarity that the future of God's people involves life on earth. Restored to its edemic beauty, complete and lesson perfection. God didn't create it to turn it over to a devil to destroy. <laughs> Hallelujah. He created it for you and I. And his eternal purpose has always been not only to redeem man, but to redeem his whole creation. Universe, which he said was his at the very beginning and proposed to put man here to live out ages and ages in an eternity with Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that beats flying around in the air. That beats growing wings. That beats walking on streets of gold. That beats running through a mansion the rest of my life or for eternity on end, and I never find any end to it. Amen. That beats that. Because God is promising us something. But you see, what humanity wants and what's crying inside of him is to see this that he's living in, his garden. He wants to see that the way it's supposed to be. And when he receives Christ in his life, like they did at Jim's owns, and received all the good things, then they saw sin in this world and they wanted to do something about it. So seeing, they took it in their own hands went into the jungles, carved them out something, and of course, eventually ended in disaster. But something inside of them cried out for something more than they were receiving. And friend, there's many a Christian that is setting disillusion tonight because we don't see the final end. We don't see the final consummation. I don't know. It didn't enthuse me. Now, I might be weird. Probably I am. But it didn't enthuse me when I first heard about heaven. When I first heard from the pulpit as a young boy what heaven was going to be like. There was something inside of me thinks, well, I don't want to go to hell. But heaven really doesn't appeal to me all that much. Because I wanted a body. <laughs> Amen. I wanted something that, 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 I, that was tangible. And I wanted some of the things that as a child I read in the Bible that says I was supposed to have. 
and these ministers had reduced me to just some type of a ghost floating around someplace. Where just the minute I died, I just went to heaven and I just floated around up there someplace and saw all my neighbors and friends that went on before and all of these things. Need to talk about that a little bit sometime too. You'd be surprised what you would find as far as death and heaven and hell is concerned in the Bible if you read it for what the Bible says. Amen? If you'd lay aside all these traditions and everything that you've always heard and get into the Word of God and read it for what Bible says death is and where you are doing death, you'd be surprised. But that's another subject. But the Bible speaks again about the earth being restored. Complete. Sin away from it. Second Peter Peter, after citing the example of Noah's day, reminds us that the day of the Lord will come as a thief. And the heavens will pass with a great noise, and the elements burn with fervent heat, and the earth also and works therein shall be burned up. Now we hear this, don't we? We hear this all the time. But we shouldn't stop there. He goes on to say, nevertheless, in spite of what's happening, in spite of the wrath of God that is being poured out on this world to rid it from its sin and destruction of everything that is sinful, in spite of that, Peter says, nevertheless we, that is God's people, according to his promise. Remember now, that's God's promise. Look for a new heaven. And what else? And a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Glory. Things have changed. Things are different. The world's not like it used to be anymore. The heavens is different than it used to be. But Peter says now in spite of everything that's going on, Christians losing hope and all of this, according to the promise of God, we look for a new heaven and we look for a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now John in Revelations also speaks of a new heaven and an earth. And he says he saw the new Jerusalem, the holy city, descending from God out of heaven. And he records in chapter 5 the words he heard, spoken by those redeemed of every tongue, kindred, nation. And he said, saying to the Lamb, Thou hast made unto our, us our God, made unto us and to God, kings and priests. And now what are we going to do? After he's made us and to our God kings and priests, and he says we shall reign on this earth. Hallelujah. In other words, friend, the elections that you had this past day or yesterday is not going to be anymore. Uh, putting into offices individuals that don't know God is going to cease. And Jesus Christ himself is going to be the only ruler in this whole universe. He's going to bring down every king and every power that subjects itself far above him and is going to cleanse his earth and he's going to set a righteous order in it and you and I are going to reign with him, thank God, in this earth. I believe there's going to be saints of God holding offices 
during the thousand-year reign of peace. Amen. I think God's going to appoint righteous judges, going to appoint righteous magistrates. If there is a senate, righteous senators. And everything is going to be under control of this one supreme ruler, which is Jesus Christ. And he's going to bring all things under subjection unto him. He's going to be ruling in flesh. Amen. He'll be ruling in flesh simply because this is his veil. Amen. And humanity cannot look upon him and live. You say there's no humanity yet. Yes, there is. Amen. During the thousand-year reign of peace, there will be humanity there. God's people will not be human or mortal, but we will be immortal. We will be the ruling force there, but we will be used under the inspiration of Almighty God to proclaim His message to a lost and to a dying world and bring it under subjection. And sin will be immediately visited and put under subjection of God. But this is a little bit farther than we want to go. And he said, we shall be unto God kings and priests, and we shall reign on this earth. Thus, if we look at that, the earth originally designed by God as a perfect home for his people will be restored. Amen. God didn't waste his time back then. He didn't waste his time with humanity. He set out to redeem him. From the very onset when man sinned, God set out to redeem him. And when he cursed this earth, it brought forth thorns and thistles and all of this. He set in motion a plan also to redeem it. The Bible's full of it. Where he said there won't be any thorns anymore. Won't be any thistles anymore. You talk about beauty now. Friend, that's nothing compared to the beauty that's going to be when this earth doesn't bear the scars of sin. And God has alleviated it. All the ferocity of the beast is going to be gone. Lion lay down by the lamb. Kid will put his hand in the cockatrice's den and not going to hurt him. And all of these things, because peace and tranquility has been brought into view by Almighty God. A perfect home for God's people.